Amen. Amen. Got with us this morning, uh, all the way from Cornwall, brave the motorways, <laughs> our friendlies. We had an amazing day yesterday. And uh, yeah, Father, we just want to hear from you. We want to hear your voice. We want you to speak into our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue ministering this morning, to, to speak deep into our hearts the words that you want us to hear, the words that you are bringing right for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, stand, I can use. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it's so good to be with you. Wasn't that wonderful worship? Wasn't that sweet, sweet worship? It's amazing, isn't it, when you can actually hear his voice singing back over you. And, you know, before we do anything else this morning, I really just want to rest for a second in that word. He loves you. Do you know this morning that he loves you? Do you have any questions about the level of his love for you? Have you any doubt about his love for you? He wants to tell you that he loves you. He loves you more than you can begin to imagine. And his heart is set toward you. Oh, and that, my friends, is good, 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 good news. That's the best news we could ever have, isn't it? Because we've been singing about it all morning. You know, if God is for us, who can be against us? We're surrounded by him. He hems us in behind and before. I love that picture, just being enveloped in his arms, enveloped even, enveloped, as we were talking about mail yesterday, enveloped in his arms. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture. And that is the place where we live. That's our home. That's our habitation. It's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. And what times we're living in, don't we need to know where our security really lies? Don't we need that? Like we've never needed it before, probably. Like we've never needed it before. I too this morning woke up and I looked outside the window and the sky was blue and the sun was shining and there's a blossom tree just coming into blossom. And my first thought honestly was, Lord, I am so thankful for this. I am so thankful that today I open my eyes and this is what I see. Because I can't begin to imagine even even calling on every sense that I have. I can't begin to imagine the horror of living in terror. I don't know what that is. I don't, I've had hard times in my life. Who's had hard times in their lives? But I've no idea what living in terror feels like. I've no idea. I've no idea. But through it, it's like Holy Spirit was speaking to me and he was saying, you may not know that, Liz, and it's right that you're thankful that you don't know it. But what you do know is you live in my security. And you know, even in Ukraine this morning, even in that 
awful, awful, awful situation. And it is undeniably completely and utterly terrible for the people who are in it. There are those there who are resting in the security of knowing who they are because they know Jesus. They know Jesus. So yes, of course, we pray for them and we pray for their strengthening and we pray for their courage, but we also give thanks that there are so many men and women in that nation who know him and love him and know where the truth lies. And we bless them to continue with what they're doing, opening their doors, drawing people in, inviting people to come and meet the only one who has the answer to all the problems that they face. Amen. Amen. So I'm Liz. I'm married to Mike, who is here, who just perpetually has an instrument in his hands because he just loves music. Um, and we live in Cornwall, which is just such a blessing, unless you have to travel anywhere, and then it becomes slightly less of a blessing. But it's the price you pay for living in what to me is my, my dream place. It's somewhere that I'd wanted to be for a very, very long time. And um, God realized a dream for us, which is just so, so wonderful. And it's so good, particularly to be here today, because I think today for Faith Life Church is actually a really strategic day. Why do I think that? Because Mark and Cheryl have explained to me that today actually is the first day that you're not live streaming your service. Today is the first day that no one can stay in their pajamas and tune in live to what is happening here. And it's a strategic day because the word for this year that prevails against all others is God saying to the church, it is time. It is time. And for you guys, for faith life today marks time. It is time. It is a strategic time, a kairos time for gathering together again, recognizing again the value of actually meeting physically together. Because when we do that, something really powerful happens that doesn't happen otherwise. Amen? And we have, haven't we learned through lockdown and hit, you know, it's been terrible. And I don't, um, I don't dilute how terrible it's been for anybody. And some people I know have really, really, really suffered terribly in it. I know people here have. But, you know, there have been glimpses in throughout the last two years that have been really, really positive glimpses, haven't there? And the first one of those glimpses for me, who is not remotely wired this way, is the wonder of technology. You see, I wouldn't have thought prior to lockdown, it wouldn't have crossed my mind to join a Zoom church meeting. It wouldn't have crossed my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm not a complete Luddite when it comes to tech, but I'm not interested in it. So if you're not inspired by it, it's quite hard. I'm not like you, Jules. It obviously really does something in you and you love it. And we're really grateful to you. But it doesn't work like that for me. But even I had to recognize during the period of lockdown what a gift God had given us 
that in this time when we're fighting this horrible, horrible thing, we have the technology that allows us to be together even though we can't physically meet. And that actually, although many of us had to live in isolation, we didn't have to be isolated in it because we had the means to connect with people and actually see their faces. We've had to get used to FaceTime over the last however many years because our um, family live in the in the States. So, you know, that's the way you, you keep in touch with each other. But we particularly over the last two years have learned the value um, of technology. You know, I'm, I'm not suggesting for one second that now we come to the end of um, this season and we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we go, oh, thank you, Jesus, we don't have to do that thing again. I, I think it's wonderful that we can. I think we've learned through it and we do things through it. We meet together through it in ways that we didn't before. In Harvest Alliance, the network that we belong to, we have a global Zoom meeting once a month. So we meet with our brothers and sisters from all over the world. We couldn't do that physically. Logistically, it's impossible. So we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But what we do do is recognize that in terms of our everyday life, in terms of our general just meeting together, it is not a replacement for um, what we're doing here this morning. It's not. And there is a time, and it is time now, to be, come back together again, to be together physically, to put the true value on what meeting together is and what it represents and the power that's behind us. You know, when we come together in worship like we did this morning, and that was beautiful, you know, thank you so much to the band and the musicians. I mean, that was just beautiful. When we do that, somehow, I don't know how it works, but Christ in us is actually magnified. It's the most amazing thing. That doesn't happen unless we're together in a room. It doesn't happen. You know, there's something that's conveyed when we hug each other that doesn't happen unless we're together and we actually do that. There's something that happens when we have a conversation and we actually look into each other's eyes and speak to one another and we're not on a screen. It's not a replacement. It's not a, um, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It has been wonderful. But it is time that we step out from under the, um, the sort of horrible wet blanket that COVID has been. And we step into um, what he has for us now. And, you know, the truth is that for many of us, we don't actually know what, what, what that is, do we? We don't know what he has for us now actually looks like right now. But, you know, with God, sometimes you've got to move. You have to come out before you, he begins to clear your vision. It's called faith. <laughs> it's called coming out. It's called trusting him. It's called faith. And it's time now to come out. And what I heard as I was preparing this morning um, was just a big well done to you guys, to you guys who are here this morning, to you guys who have made that very conscious decision to actually get up, get out, come and gather together to worship him, to hear from him, to pour out your love on him, to receive from him, to fellowship together. Because you today are beginning, this is the beginning of setting a new course 
for faith life. It's not a continuation. It's not a going back to what was happening before. It's the beginning of setting a new course. And God reminded me of the Israelites when they were wandering around in the desert. And, you know, they wandered around in the desert for a very long time, didn't they? They wandered around for 40 years. And um, that was never the intention that they would be wandering around for 40 years. But, you know, they, they grumbled and they complained and they, you know, they tied themselves up in knots and they got stuck in the desert. And the warning for us as church is not to get stuck in the desert, the Zoom desert. There's this desert called Zoom. No, there isn't. I'm joking. But not to get stuck in that place, but to come out, to come out. You see, those Israelites, they couldn't get into the promised land until they moved, could they? We can't get wherever it is God is, has got going us to go to unless we actually move. We can't do it. And those Israelites, you know, even with all their complaining and grumbling and they soon lose sight of everything, they knew when they followed Moses that they were going somewhere. You know, the desert was never the end of the journey. They knew that. They knew that they were going somewhere. They knew that their destination was somewhere good. They knew it was somewhere good. Wow. So well done. Let's recognize the authority we have in us through him and walk out of that desert place and into whatever it is he has, whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like. And, you know, I don't know what your individual journeys with the Lord have been like, but I, I, I can say from my own testimony, I can get excited at the prospect of not knowing where I'm going. <laughs> really excited for two reasons. First reason is I know he knows where I'm going, which gives me safety. And I know that he's only got good things for me because that's what he says. And two, because it's just exciting, isn't it? To be going somewhere. It's exciting to be going somewhere. It's not exciting to be stuck, is it? Is it? Does anybody like being stuck? Because, you know, I'd love to know how that works if anybody likes being stuck. But it's exciting. It's good. So even in the midst of such a shaking, and if you, you're looking at me now and you're watching my legs shake, please know this is just what Holy Spirit does to me, okay? I'm not terrified at all. Wow. And I'm not having a medical issue. I'm just... Oh, I'm feeling him right now. It's exciting. Journeying with God is exciting. So be excited for what's coming, even in the midst of all the shaking. That's what I was going to say. It's ironic that this is how he touches me, because the shaking is something that's happening, isn't it? It's happening in the nations. We're seeing it happening in Ukraine. It happened during COVID. COVID shook us. COVID is now here. It hasn't gone away. But we're learning how to live with it. We're learning how to manage our lives through it. We're learning not to live in fear. Who knows if you're a Christian, you should never be living in fear. You should never be in fear. 
Never. I've said to God so many times, oh, Lord, you know, I'm just me. I'm not very brave. And his reply to me is, well, that's okay, Liz, because I am, and you have me. And if I'm resting in him, if he's my focus, if he's my center, if my eyes are fixed on him and not on the things around me, I don't have to worry that I'm a yellow belly. It doesn't matter because he's got me. He's got me. And he's braver than anything. You know, and he's told me that if he's in me, that's greater than anything that's in the world. And he's in me. I know that. He's told me that. I know that. If Christ is in you, ho. Wow. He that is in me is greater. Amen. I've got a big dad. Do you know that? I've got a really, really big dad. You remember those bullies in the playground? Remember those? Let him touch you, honey. Those bullies in the playground who just wanted to put you down, who'd be, you know, my dad's bigger than your dad. You ever heard that? My dad's bigger than your dad. I'm going to set my dad on you. You ever heard that? I've got to tell you, for anybody, anybody's in your face, all you have to remember is you have the biggest dad. You have the biggest dad. And he's for you. He's always for you. Amen? Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I feel a bit stuck. Oh, there we go. Right, so it's time, and there's a well done for Faith Life Church for setting a new course. It is time. Jesus is coming back for his bride, and Jesus is coming back soon. We don't know exactly when, do we? We don't know when, but we know it's soon. We know it's sooner today than it was yesterday because that's just logic, right? He's coming back soon. And we've been hearing that, haven't we, for a very long time. And it's been the truth for a very, very long time. And we have lived in days of preparation, haven't we, for a very long time. Days of preparation. Days of, if you put it in worldly terms, they would have been days of wedding planning, wouldn't they? You know, you're making plans for the day. How is the day going to be? Who's coming to the wedding? What a great time it's going to be. Who's doing the flowers? Who's doing the cake? Who's doing the catering? Who's doing the this, the that, and the other? It's wonderful, but it can be quite fraught. February's been a big month for me for weddings. We've just had our 25th wedding anniversary, so they're sort of in my head very much. Um, but he's coming back, not for the day. He's coming back for what? He's coming back for his bride. And who is his bride? We are. We are his bride. And when he comes back, what do we look like? What do we look like? We look perfect. We look pure and spotless, don't we? That's what he's coming back for. And I'm standing here to tell you, my friends, this morning it is time 
the days of wedding planning are over. We are in the dressing room right now. We're in the dressing room just hours before the ceremony. This is serious. We're in the place where we, you know, we're going to put on our wedding garments, where we're making ourselves as beautiful as we can be for our, bra for our husband, for Jesus. I remember when I was preparing for our wedding day and I had that hour or so just alone in my bathroom, just trying to get ready looking in the mirror, looking at my face, not really liking what was looking back at me and thinking, what can I do with that? You know, this is my wedding day. How am I getting, what can I do with that? And God really spoke to me. He said, you're missing the point, Liz. It's not about your appearance. It's about what's inside of you. And you can put on the, you know, I was going to do some advertising, then I was going to name some names. You can put on the makeup. You can do that. You can enhance your appearance. And quite frankly, it's nice to do that, ladies, isn't it? You feel a bit better if you've made a bit of time. I wear heels when I'm preaching because I feel better until I take them off afterwards, and then I wish I'd just been sensible. <laughs> but it's nice to do those things, but it's not what it's about. It's not about the day or the, or the hour that you're actually going to stand in the church and go through the wedding ceremony. It's about the relationship. It's about what comes afterwards. It's about the person that you are. It's about the church that we are. Amen? That's what matters. You see, the makeup comes off. <laughs> It come, even if you don't wash it off, it comes off. But this is something that's with us all the time. This is who we are. And Jesus is saying, it's time to get ready. So I just want to share a few thoughts that I've had around this subject with you using the very, very familiar parable. Who's going to know? Who knows what I'm going to say next? This is be interesting. What parable am I going to use? Yeah, here we go. I knew so. <laughs> okay, but he's really been speaking to me through this parable um, in a just a slightly different, with a slightly different emphasis to what I've heard before. And I believe it is a really important word for us, church, in these days. So can we just um, have those scriptures up, please? <clears throat> Wow. And we are so familiar, aren't we, with this parable? And, you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say familiarity breeds contempt in terms of scripture. But sometimes we do get so familiar that actually we don't sort of tarry long enough to allow him to breathe new life into it for us. Is anybody or is that just me? Maybe that's just me. But, you know, sometimes we read it so many times you just gloss over it and you, oh, yeah, I know that they didn't prepare well and uh, Anyway, so let's just read this for a second. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the, but the, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Now let's just stop there for a second. 
So here we have two groups of five. We have the five wise virgins who have taken their oil with them, who are prepared, in fact, for whatever circumstances. And then we have the five foolish virgins. And this is how God's been speaking to me. You see, I, in my spirit imagination, if you know what I mean like that, there's a fine line, isn't there, sometimes. I can see these five foolish virgins. I can see them being excited about the day that's to come. Oh, we're getting married today. Isn't that amazing? We're going to the wedding. It's just going to be such a feast. Do you know who's coming? So-and-so's traveling from all that way. I haven't seen her for years. I was just going to be so fun. And oh, look at your dress. Your dress is beautiful. Have you seen my dress? And oh, can I do your hair for you? I'd love to spend time doing that. I can hear them. I can hear all the joy and the bubbling and the excitement in preparing for the wedding preparing for the day, preparing for the occasion. We know, don't we? You know, if we just look, um, there are so many television programs and stuff around weddings, aren't there? How much money goes into just one single day? How things rise or fall on the success of the day? We know how it's been sort of um, the whole wedding ceremony in some ways has been hijacked by, you know, what cars you've got and where you're having the reception and all that sort of stuff. And I can sort of sense that in these foolish virgins, that they're just the excitement and their focus just on the day that is to come, just the day that is to come. And in fact, they're so focused, so excited, so completely missing the point of the marriage itself, that they even forget to take oil for their lamps. Can you, is that making sense? Can you see that? Can you see that? Their thinking is about the ceremony. Their thinking is about the occasion. But the wise virgins, they, they sort of have an understanding of the solemnity about what is about to happen that this is about the relationship. It's not about the day. The day is nice. It's great fun. But it's about the relationship. It's about what comes after it. I remember when Mike and I went to see um, the vicar who was marrying us. We were in an Anglican church at that time. And um, he, he'd retired, actually. And he came out of retirement to marry us. And um, he, he sat us down and he was so lovely. He said, well, yes, of course, I'd love to do this for you. We'd, we'd known him quite well. And then, and then we start to get the talk. <laughs> and I'm so glad we did. I'm so, so glad we did. Because what he said to us was, you know, you really have to understand marriage is a very, very solemn thing. It's a really solemn thing. And I've been thinking, what? I, what's he talking about? It's solemn. This is, I was 37. I thought this was never going to happen for me. You know, I wasn't solemn. I was thrilled. And I was, you know, the, the, it wasn't so much the day, but the whole, the whole thing. I was just thrilled that here I was, God had given me an opportunity and a, a, he was remaking my life for me when I thought it was over in many ways. And David's saying, it's a really solemn thing. And I got a little bit 
if not offended, just a bit sort of, I don't understand what you're talking about. So I went away and I just did a little digging around the word solemn. And it means sincere, earnest, honest, genuine, firm, committed, unconditional, heartfelt. You see, it's not about solemn, grumpy, which is how I'd interpreted it, because that's obviously how I'd used it. You know, maybe all of us know a bit about solemn, grumpy. It's about solemn gravity. It's about the weight of the thing that is about to happen. It's about the gravity of the marriage commitment. It's about the gravity of the relationship that doesn't get broken. It's a solemn thing. And here's David in this case to us, but God saying to us, it's time, my friends, to get really serious about what is about to happen. Really, really serious. There's gravity in this. And I think the wise virgins, they had an idea of that. I think they had some idea. They were wise. They had an idea about the, the level of that gravity. So the wise, they took oil in jars along with their lamps. Can we just go down a little further, G? At midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather go and sell and buy for yourselves. Now, I have read that scripture so many times. And, you know, there's a little bit of me that responds saying, they could have just shared it a bit, couldn't they? Couldn't they? Wouldn't that have been a nice thing to do, to just help each other out a little bit? Wouldn't that have been a nice thing to do? But the, the wise virgins, you see, their wisdom, I don't know if they, it's like a divine wisdom that they've got. I don't know if they even realize what they're doing here. But they say, no, we might run out. You're going to have to go and buy your own oil. I don't think they were being mean. I don't think they were being mean. I think that they understood the gravity of what was about to happen. They knew that oil was the thing that was going to light their way so that it could happen. And they protected their oil. They knew they had to protect their oil. It was precious. It was precious. And here's what I hear God saying through this parable to us, to the church in these days. It is time, church, to protect your oil. It is time to recognize the gravity of where we are at. It is time to make a stand and to refuse to dilute or sully your oil in any way. Because we're talking here about the precious, precious oil of Holy Spirit, aren't we? You see, we have gone through years now, sadly, of as a church making ourselves as church relevant 
to the people out there, relevant in inverted commas, in so many ways. We have compromised his word. We've dumbed things down. We've done things because they're seeker-friendly. And I'm not condemning those things necessarily at all, actually. But we've allowed them to become more important than him, who's the one why we're here, who we're here for in the first place. We, we, it's like our focus has just shifted. We've, come, we've actually become, I've been reading these things here since I got in, and I love it. I think it's great, you know. But it's like we've been so consumed with hard work and de determination and, and ambition and confidence and the stuff that we've shifted our eyes from Jesus. And we've allowed things to come in that shouldn't be in the church. They, should, they just shouldn't be here. Now, I really don't want you to hear in this anything that I am not saying. This is desperately important, okay? I am not for one second saying that we're not a church whose doors are open to absolutely anyone and everyone and all their baggage, because absolutely we are, aren't we? You know, we are a church whose doors are open for the broken, the lost, the confused, the hurting, the destitute. We're here, aren't we? And we don't, we don't meet them at the door and say, well, if you put your bags down, you can come in, do we? And I'm not saying we do that. I'm saying we meet them in the door, at the door and we invite them in and in comes all their stuff with them. But we do it because we know that once they are in, side, once they come into this wonderful place where they meet with Jesus, because they can't not meet with Jesus because he is here and he's in each one of us and they can see him, they see something different, something pure and spotless and beautiful. And in the face of that, their baggage, like my baggage, like Mike's baggage, gets left at the foot of the cross and it gets taken up and dealt with by the only one who can deal with it. And that is Jesus, the only one who's the answer to the problems that they have and the, the, you know, the difficulties that they're living in. That's Jesus. So I'm not saying for one second that we don't have our doors open. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is when the world comes into the church, the stuff in the bags that causes that oil to become solid, that causes that oil to be contaminated, that gets left at the foot of the cross. So what is in the building is the pure and spotless bride that is protecting her oil. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it is time you know, the world has shifted on its axis in the last couple of years, hasn't it? Everything's shifted. You know, we've had our eyes open to things that we thought we'd never have to deal with. The whole thing's been unprecedented. It is not time to simply go back to where we were before and try and pick up what was left off. Because I believe, I really believe this, it's like there has been a divine cutting of what was past. You can't, we can't do that. We can't do that. So we have two choices. We stay stuck or we go forward. And we go forward, our hands in his hand, trusting him, 
allowing ourselves to get excited, to believe for the good that he has for us, to know that we are the ones because we have him in us who have the answer. You know, you guys, you have the answer for Cambridge. Did you know that? You are the answer. You know, you are God's provision for this city. You are. You are. And he's not saying you've got to work hard, you've got to be determined, you've got to be ambitious, you've got to... He's not saying that. He's saying if you would come and you would just be at my feet, adoring me, loving on me, getting to know me better, wow, then I am going to fill you so full that when you go out of your door, you're leaking Jesus. You're leaking Jesus. I, I have an ambition. I do have a really burning ambition. I want to be the one who walks down the street and people stop me and they say to me, what is it about you? I want to be that person. I do want to be that person. And you know what I hear him saying? And this is good news. I hear him saying, it's time, church, to start to understand that that is actually what is going to happen. It's time to have your head up. It's time to recognize that people are going to start looking at you. You ever had that thing when you've been out? I get this in Sainsbury's sometimes. And I'm going around with my trolley doing my shopping. And everybody's looking at me. Or I think everybody's looking at me. Do you ever have that feeling? And Mike's often with me and I say to him, do I look funny this morning? Have I done something wrong? You know, have I, have I made up half my face? Have I? And he says, no, you're fine. And actually God is saying, get used to it. Just get used to it. People are going to start to look at you. <laughs> and you know our response to that? It's to just smile. It's to have our head up. It's to be confident. Wow. I come from Nottingham originally. I haven't lived there for many, many years. But I can remember somebody stopping me once. I smiled at someone in passing, and they came back. And they, honestly, this is true. They said, what are you looking at? Wow. So we might get some funny responses, but it doesn't matter. Just smile. If you get a response like that, I mean, this was before I knew Jesus, so heaven knows what was going on. But ah, our response today would be, well, actually, I'm just smiling at you because Jesus drew me to you and he loves you. I'd have an answer. We have the answer. We have an answer. And, you know, if we're spending our time at his feet, loving on him, you know, that, I love that picture of Mary at the feet of Jesus, washing his feet with her tears. I love that. I love the, the intimacy. I, there's, I can't think of anything else, really. It's just a beautiful, beautiful picture. I love that. And, you know, if, we, if, if that's what we're doing, if that's what we're cultivating, if that's what we're doing in our own place, this is not something that's reserved for Sunday morning. You know, Sunday morning's the bonus time. This is life. This is just a way of life with Jesus, with the one who has captured your heart. If he's captured your heart, you want to spend time with him.
don't you? You want to spend time with him. You want to spend time beholding him, just looking at him, just being in his presence. Just because why would you want to do anything else? He's captured your heart. Remember when you first fell in love. Remember, Maybe some of you are still in that wonderful place in love where you just sit and look at each other. And you don't go, are you okay, dear? so so powerful so powerful and when we're doing that when that's the, when that's our lifestyle when when we are so full of him when he's captivated our hearts so much that we can't function unless we're spending that time with him then when we come together and we're all coming from that same place do you understand where the Christ in us is magnified when we worship together? We're all full. We're all in that place. You know, that's when the angels break out in your worship. That's when spontaneous healings happen. That's when, you know, people get released into gifts. And it's just amazing. That's not reserved for a special conference somewhere. It's life. Is how it's normal. This should be normal to us. Would you like that to be normal? Is there anyone who wouldn't like that to be normal? Seriously. It's okay. But it's a relief that no one put their hand up. <laughs> it's unnormal. It's time to realize the gravity of this thing. It's time to realize the gravity of the marriage. It's time to recognize the gravity of the days that we're living in. You know, we thought COVID shook us. That was just like the, you know, that almost didn't register on the shaking scale. The spiritual Richter scale. Here we go again. Why do you do this, Lord? <laughs> Good illustration though, right? <laughs> oh, we're not there yet. We're not even really in the shaking. And we're not, we can't stop it. It's happening. This is it. This is what, this is life. This is our new normal. And the way we stand is him. It's just Jesus. It's full of him. It's full of that precious, precious oil of Holy Spirit. It's full of, it, it, it's where we're at that place where we no longer even have to intellectually recognize our dependence on him. It's just a fact. It just becomes a reality in your life. You know, there is a paradigm shift. It's like a change of perspective that some of us need to get, where we've just looked at things slightly that from, well, it's not the wrong way. There are different perspectives, aren't there? Anyone who's ever gone up a hill knows that. You don't have to go, you know, if you walk a little bit up a hill and turn around and look around you, you see a certain view, don't you? You don't have to go much higher and stop and look again. And it's a completely different view because it's broadened so, so much just in those few steps. Well, it's time to get a fresh perspective on some things. And that'll be different for each of us because we're all different. We process differently. We move at different a different pace. We receive at different paces. And that's okay. 
What's not okay is when we get stuck and dogmatic about the perspective that we have and we're not prepared to just have a fresh look because that way we cut ourselves off from things. And we don't want to do that, do we? We don't ever want to cut ourselves off. You see, we are children of the blessing. Who knows that? We're children of the blessing. Every day, Mike and I, we begin our day and we, we, we listen to some scripture together and we pray together and we declare together, today is the day of our greatest blessing. We've been doing that for years. Now, when we first started doing that, I think honestly, in my little naive, silly self, I actually thought something amazing was going to happen on that day that would be so different. I think I did honestly think that. I thought, oh, something incredible is going to happen today. It's the day of our greatest blessing. But I've come to realize the blessing is getting through the day and being able to say, thank you, Jesus. What a great day I've had. I'm still here. You know, it's been a good day. Today has been a good day. There have been trials in my day. You know, I think this is what James is getting at. James 1, who loves that scripture? Count it all joy when you suffer trials of many kinds. But you know why we can? Because we understand who we are. We understand who God is. We understand our identity in him. And we understand that we are children of the blessing and that today is the day of our greatest blessing. And no matter what trials we may go through from minute to minute or hour to hour, it is still the day of our greatest blessing because we're blessed. We live in the blessing. We also declare this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And, you know, if you're not feeling like rejoicing, that's a really good declaration to make because it resets your course for the day. You know, you start your day grumpy, the chances are you probably finish it grumpy, quite honestly, unless someone comes alongside you who can open things up for you and just change your mind. So it's time to get a fresh perspective on things if our perspective's not been, you know, possibly what it should be. Look at the other side. Look at the other side. What does this, you know, what does this really mean? What, what's the thing here? And we can apply it in so many situations. I'm trying to think of a really good illustration and I can't, but, you know, a day-to-day situation that most of us, I guess, will encounter. You know, we're out and about, we're driving in the car and someone just cuts us up at a roundabout. And our, what's our response to that generally? Oh, what an idiot isn't it? Or something like that. Or worse. Isn't it? And okay, this is an extreme example, but it makes the point. What if our perspective could be, I wonder if that guy's all right. I wonder if he's actually suffering some sort of, you know, I wonder if he needs any help. You know, has he got a problem with this? I wonder what his day's been like. What What if our response to that is actually just to pray for that guy and forgive him straight away? And not allow ourselves to go into that justifiable place of judgment. Extreme example, but do you get my drift? It's time to get a fresh perspective. Oh, wow. 
We sang it this morning and I, so, I loved it. I loved it that we sang it. These are the days of Elijah. Righteousness being restored. Wow. And it's not righteousness on a particular issue either. It's righteousness. It's pan-righteousness. Pan means everything, doesn't it? It is. So he is coming back soon for his bride. But he's not coming till she's pure and spotless. It's time to protect the oil church. And, you know, it's time to take a stand where we need to take a stand. And if we need to take a stand that makes us unpopular, then so be it. So be it. And it's time to be the church with the open door where anyone can come. But what they come into is simply the presence of Jesus. And in that presence, unrighteousness cannot stand. It can't. It gets dealt with. And, you know, I can stand before you today and I can give testimony that Jesus cleaned up my life. And my life was dirty. It was really, really dirty. And I met Jesus and he cleaned it for me. He cleaned it for me. And he will do that for anyone who comes to him. And it starts with me. It still starts with me today. And I think what he wants to do in this place today is to just wow. release in us afresh that living water that washes away all the dirt that clings, all the grit that settles at the bottom. Oh, I'm just seeing a picture of a bottle of wine, you know, a really vintage bottle of the most beautiful, beautiful red wine. It's been, I don't know, I, I don't really know wine, but what would it be? Any, any ideas? Let's have some, what's, what's your best red wine? Amarone, how old is it? fairly old okay vintage wine premier crew is that the right wording you know something's been around a long time you know what happens to that wine even though the wine itself is absolutely beautiful and so costly is a sediment settles at the bottom of the bottle doesn't it and if you don't pour it properly you get this sort of sludge stuff that ruins everything well you know over time we get sludgy we, I get sludgy. Do you get sludgy? Anyone get sludgy? He wants to come and deal with the sludge this morning. Seriously, on this, this, this new day, on this day of setting a new course, he's inviting us to allow him to just flush away anything that's in us that shouldn't be there. Anything. There is no condemnation in this whatsoever. There's no judgment in this whatsoever. There is simply an honest 
invitation from the heart of a loving Father and our Savior Jesus and Holy Spirit who comes alongside to help us to respond to an opportunity. That's all. That's all. And it changes things. It changes things. Amen. So shall we stand?